Hello and welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, the Garden Show, or as I like to say, Gardening 2.0. My guest today is a New Englander, and uh, she's defying the claim that print is dead with a new kind of garden publication. Speaking to gardeners and garden lovers, that's what I've always done, and I haven't given up. I'm talking to you now. And I'm not alone. There are a few people who are producing beautiful, helpful, interesting material in digital forms and also in print. My guest today, Rochelle Grayer, is a garden communicator who is the co-founder of the online magazine Leaf, author of an innovative book called Cultivating Garden Style, and now has published a full-color print and online newspaper that's getting a lot of attention. It's called Pith and Vigor. Rochelle is the creator of the popular blog Studio G, named one of the top 10 gardening blogs by the editors of Better Homes and Gardens, and she's a weekly columnist for the online blog Apartment Therapy. Rochelle has been designing gardens since 2002. Prior to her garden writing and garden designing uh, career, Rochelle was a physicist rocket scientist, really, riding in the cockpits of F-14s. In her microscopic bit of spare time, she takes a break, and this time to talk to us on Kendrew's Real Dirt. Real Dirt. Hello, Rochelle, and welcome. Hi, thank you. I want to talk about Pith and Vigor, but where I have to start is the name. Where? What does the name come from? Well, I um, I have to admit it was kind of a, a a back a backwards way of coming to it. I I was trying to come up with a name. And I, I had in my mind it would be a word, kind of like leaf was a word. And um, I was searching for the right word. And I literally had lists and lists of words that sort of had some relevance to the gardening world. And none of them was right. And I, I was really fussing with it. And a friend of mine suggested, you know, I really like the idea of something and something. You know, that always sounds nice. And so I started just matching up a bunch of these words, trying to find a good uh, just something that sounded good together, really. And one of them was Pith and Vigor, and I just liked the way it sounded. And I uh, kind of started focusing in on it and then doing the research for trademark searches and stuff like that. And uh, that's when I found um, that there was a group of, um, I think you call them entomologists. They study the origins of words and sayings. And there was this discussion that I came across where, uh, apparently, pith and vigor as a phrase actually exists. It was I had found it nowhere else, so my my searches were were quite successful, except for this. In the like 17, late 17 and early 1800s, there were, uh, were you know books and and publications that had used this term, and there was this discussion online of what was meant by it. And I was fascinated with this because there's a few different theories, but but. One of the kind of prevailing theories was that uh, when people used to say pithing, you know, pith being the central stem of a plant or or of any living organism, and when you pith something, you you kind of remove that, and obviously that would result in in death of whatever the thing was. (laughs) So so anyway, it was this person was uh, theorizing that that this pith and vigor meant something along the lines of 
if you had vigor, meaning life, even though you'd had you'd been pissed, it meant that you were kind of like unstoppable. Even though you know you had the central life force taken out of you, you still carried on, you know, kind of thing. Um, and uh, and that then therefore it was sort of maybe the evolution of what it sort of sounds like, which is piss and vinegar. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, who knows? But I just loved the whole story, and I was kind of like, that is that's just that's just such a great thing. I love the way the words sound even before I, 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 you know, knew this sort of potential backstory. And then once I found that, I was like, hooked. I was like, this is it. It's, it's, a, it. it's so catchy and it sticks. And I don't know if that's just me, but the first time I heard it, it was stuck. And, and it is probably because of piss and vinegar too. I think uh, so. It's just like, <laughs> it's there. It's stuck in my head. And yes, that's yes. A, and mine too. I mean, the moment I put those two words together, I'm like, Hmm, I really liked, I mean, I just, it was all the others kind of quickly paled in comparison. And I was, yeah, I was hooked. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of its own thing too. Like, you know, Kleenex, Kleenex and Vaseline. It's, it stops become, it stops being what it, you know, you don't think of tissues, you think of Kleenex, which is, that's a exactly. miracle. Well, that's good. Let's hope. Let's hope it kind of can become this sort of uh, real rallying point for gardeners, because that's really, that's really kind of the point. I, I, I manage a farmer's market, and uh, we started it almost 10 years ago and uh, here in the Boston area. And um, I remember when uh, the publication Edible Boston came on the scene. It was a couple years after we started the market. And it seemed to be such a catalyst for all these people who were kind of in the, you know, greater New England area doing a lot of like slow food farmers market, you know, growing local kind of things, but there was no central point to it. And um, and people didn't know who each other were and they weren't finding each other that well. And um, And then that publication came on the scene and suddenly that's, sort of became like this sort of central place that as market managers we went and we found new vendors and learned things what other people were doing anyway it, i i kind of see and hope that piss and vigor can can become something like that for gardeners well the first issue which was the fall issue and and the spring issue is just about to come out it's kind of new england centric uh are there plans for regional versions there are. I just need to figure out the best, most uh, business cost-effective, sensical way to do it. Um, but that is the intent, and it's it's been the intent since the first, um, you know, imagining of it. It's part of the reason why I went with newspaper, because I kind of thought, well, you know, besides the clear and obvious sort of advantages of newspaper and recycling and all of that, which is was a big, big reason I went with it too, but uh, was the idea, you know, as historically newspapers have always been where you have your national section and your regional sections mm-hmm. and you can put it together like that in a very, you know, the, the actual uh, material and the way it the way it works, works well for regionalizing, and that was, was sort of the point. Um, so it is very New England-focused, but there's so many departments in the publication that, you know, can be replicated in, you know, the Northeast or Southern California or the Southwest or, you know, whatever, wherever. So that's that's our hope. And we've, 
you know, with the first issue, I had people emailing me saying, I love this. When, whenever you're ready to come to my region, wherever that is, I've had probably a dozen now. I want to mm. help. So mm. um, it's been really great. Um, I just haven't figured out how that works yet. You um, will. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> you will. And we're talking about a newspaper, and my guest today is Rochelle Grayer, who has started Pith and Vigor. And we say newspaper, but it's beautiful. It's the size of a, it's even bigger than a tabloid. I don't know what they exactly call that shape and size, if it has a name. Uh, but I do want to say that it's full color and it's beautifully designed. And it's it's also fun. It, it's almost a blend of online and, and print because you, you turn the pages like you're looking at one and you want to look at the next and you want to look at the next. So it, it, it kind of flows even flows into your head and you're talking about people have been getting in touch with you and emailing and didn't you start the whole thing by crowdsourcing for funding? I did, yes, um, which um, I didn't know anything about, but it was uh, <laughs> about this time actually last year and uh, we started putting together the plan and we launched it in June and over six weeks um, it yeah it caught fire and uh, we overfunded by um, you know it was we were looking for uh, twelve thousand and uh, we ended up with seventeen thousand something dollars so uh, all of which was you know subscriptions so it was uh, it's funny people always think of like crowdfunding as people donating and that's not really mm -hmm. the case all, we we basically drove seventeen thousand dollars worth of you know people who wanted to subscribe before they even ever saw the product which is it was great. I That's was, fantastic. I was, it was it was really really great. So. Well, you're always uh, I was you're always got, you've always got some new scheme <laughs> going, <laughs> which is I uh, guess so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and taking risks. And as you know, we all know that uh, you don't get anywhere unless you stick your neck out, even if, even though you might get your head chopped off. But you've got to move forward. Progress. Yeah, no, I agree. I uh, I don't sit still very well, so I don't know. Maybe it's annoying to some people. No. My husband certainly kind of like, oh, now what? Now <laughs> what? Exactly. Well, I I'd love some things in the in the first issue. Uh, you have a a great article by Bree Arthur on growing tea, and uh, yep. I didn't realize that black tea has because it comes from India and China. It has so many pesticides. So you could grow your own, and then there's a terrific article on saving the bees. And something that I really love and hope you do in every issue is trends on trial, because yep. those things drive me crazy. Oh, you... that's so funny. I, I'm glad you said that, because I had, uh, I, I, you know, just as an editor, you kind of, you put things out there and you kind of sort of keep your ear to the ground of like, how well was that received? And I felt like that was potentially one of the more coolly received <laughs> stories only because I felt like, um, you know, there's a lot of hype around certain trends and that's profitable to people. And, you know, that, um, it's it's an easy trap to fall into to you know hype the trend despite you know the reality of the trend and um and so you know people have to make a living in hyping trends yes 
But the and, and people so, who are, the editors of of magazines and newspapers and uh, television and radio, uh, especially because they don't really know anything about horticulture generally. I remember sometimes when I over the years when I've had a new book and I go around the country and I'll I'll be on a television an early morning news show or something and whoever the host is they turn to me and say what would you say to a first-time gardener someone who's never gardened before uh, i swear i've had that question 15 times oh, right <laughs> and uh i mean that's okay but uh just either that or they want to know what they can whether they can grow herbs on the windowsill of their apartment things like that there's another one herbs on the windowsill there's there's one that needs to be debunked that's so popular yeah. you say that to you can grow fresh herbs on your windowsill and those people just go crazy and i think yeah. even if you have the sun you harvest the basil and that's it you want to make that's pesto you don't have herbs anymore <laughs> i know i always I always look at those ones in the grocery store, and thankfully, um, it used to be when they first came out with the potted mm -hmm. um, basil in the grocery store, it was substantially more expensive than just, you know, a packet of basil, and I think they were trying to sort of market on this idea that, you know, it was like a cut and come again sort of thing, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I think people must have figured it out because I've noticed lately it's pretty much the same price and sometimes even cheaper because really the only advantage is maybe it'll keep a little longer, but once you use it, it's gone. It's gone, <laughs> right. Uh, well, you, not, there's no real advantage, price advantage to that. You, you yeah. debunk succulents a little bit and you also debunk something that that bugs me a lot, which is vertical gardens. And I don't, I don't know, the vertical gardens and the word sustainability in the same sentence i can't believe it <laughs> yeah and people yeah. want to have vertical gardens in indoors in the dark and think they're going to look beautiful and be carefree and it's certainly not the case no well and I, I mean frankly outdoors it's it's you know it's a very high maintenance thing or if not uh, it's a, a very expensive system to install to make sure that the water I mean, the watering issue is, is, to me, one that I have a hard time getting over. Right. It, it, you have to water that so much. But they show it on TV with all the box store ads and everything over and over again. And I was thinking yeah. just recently, I saw a motion picture. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But uh, the, one of the most important things in this movie was that the, this, the, char the lead character's uh, mother was recently deceased and her most precious and important thing was her hydrangeas and she made her son swear that he would water the hydrangeas so it's, it appears like five times in this movie and he's he takes a garden hose with a sprayer and he he sort of cleans the leaves for about 30 seconds and in this whole movie that's him watering the hydrangeas which were so important to his mother and i was i'm thinking they're not going to live but at least they'll have clean leaves <laughs> But you'd think that, well, you know, the, the horticulture is just, it's not highly regarded a, among people who don't know what it is. And the whole thing of get the garden done in no time, who wants to get it ever done? I know, I know. I just finished this morning before we were chatting, to, uh, uh, writing my letter from the editor for this next issue. And I 
you know, I was kind of just thinking through some of the things that we uh, have in this issue, and we have some great stories about, like, what about clematis, and we have this sort of challenge about growing uh, wasabi horseradish, but there's one story um, from a writer named Steve Buston. He's in the UK, and he wrote a story about um, why you should open your garden to the public, and... um, and, you know, just some thoughts and suggestions and stuff like that uh, in doing that. And I, uh, it really kind of struck me with a few things about it. First of all, I, I've never opened my garden to the public, and, but I've been asked recently a couple times, and I, I'm hesitating because I'm just a huge perfectionist, and I feel like, oh, God, people are going to come in here and just, you know, expect something that isn't isn't here or something, and what a letdown, or you know, or I've got to maintain this vision of perfection, and and uh, and so it feels very pressureful. But then he's kind of talking about, you know, the nice thing about doing it. First of all, he makes this point that most people don't actually feel that way, uh, true or not. And um, mm-hmm. but then he also is talking about how you know the really nice thing is you you work really hard to get it all done before you know, everybody gets there and then you feel like, you know, for the rest of the summer, maybe you can relax a bit more. And I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, maybe that's really how I should make this decision. But then I have to decide, what do I like the most? Do I like working in the garden or relaxing in the garden? I don't know. <laughs> like, which is my preference? And I have to say, kind of like both. I don't really yes. necessarily want it to all be done because I enjoy it. It's, that's the point. Uh, well, it's a recreation for a lifetime, and as long as one can get around a little bit, you can garden. Uh, and I, exactly. a friend of mine just passed away, and she she was 98, and she was gardening. And then she, yeah. I don't know, she she was ill for three days, and that was that. But uh, she gardened until the end. Yeah. And I hope that happens for me. I'm not sure it will. And uh, but you're right, getting the garden in shape, uh, although it costs a lot of money to have your garden open on tour because you end up buying stuff and plugging right. things in and maybe getting help. Uh, the, the other thing that can be nice about it is that you, you can eavesdrop and overhear what people say and sometimes get some ideas and, right. and it's great to get feedback. And when you hear that they love something that makes it worth it too, but it's just like, it's like cleaning your house before the cleaning person comes, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I was kind of likening it. I do the clean the house before the cleaning person comes, but then I do like when I have a dinner party or something, I do this extra sort of perhaps slightly strange and deranged cleaning where I'm kind of like shoving things like a pile of paper into like a closet or, you know, something I haven't dealt with or organized or whatever. And and so things get clean. I don't know if even cleaned is the right, but, you know, dealt with mm-hmm. in strange and new ways in your last minute sort of like make it look great and I, and I was thinking about what would that look like in the garden and I'm not actually sure like, what would I what would I you know what would I do with that you know messy pile over there that I just can't you know I can't even think about moving it because it's too big or whatever and yeah well you would figure all those things out <laughs> that's yeah. for sure or just let it go I guess I guess that's the other thing I was kind of thinking about I'm like maybe you know, I feel like part of what Piss and Vigor is about is is um, n- not being so perfect. I mean, I, I definitely and actively want to seek out gardens to feature and projects to feature that are um, real, you know, 
real and and not incredibly expensive and um, unrealistic for somebody who wants to do it themselves rather than hire uh, a, a lot of expensive help. Um, and so, you know, to try and maintain that facade is, is, isn't something I'm all that interested in, even though I, I you know, I'm, I'm human. I feel compelled to do it anyway. <laughs> well, you've visited plenty of gardens, I'm sure. And when you, when we go to a private garden and we see how beautiful it is, we, I can say for myself, I imagine it's always like that, and uh, and don't even give a second thought to the fact that the person has worked so hard to make it so great. So all I, I feel, I love seeing the garden, and then I feel guilty because mine's a mess. <laughs> Right, right. You Yes, you tend to, yeah, you have to remember that just like, you know, I feel like it's just like magazines, it's just like beauty spreads, it's not all, mm -hmm. it's not real. It's posed, it's staged, it's, you have to remember that. And styled, it's, staged and styled. And, and, and it may not look like that in a week, <laughs> or, and it certainly probably didn't look like that the week before. <laughs> well, you gave me an idea that for uh, an article that you someone should do, which is help getting help and dealing with help and i don't yeah. i don't know the answers to the, to the question how to how to find someone and then how to keep someone and and it's just like we were talking about getting things ready for the cleaning person and i always think oh i i should make tea or something or i hope that person's kind of once you sit down i always go away right. i don't want to be there <laughs> and they you probably know, don't want you around either <laughs> Well, exactly. I was just going to say, I um, years ago, I thought, oh, you know, wouldn't it be lovely? I had actually a few clients that, that were kind of asking me for the same thing. They wanted to learn more about um, about their gardens. They wanted to, you know, be more involved rather than just paying for somebody to come in and do all of the fine gardening maintenance. And, and they were looking for somebody who, you know, could do those things. And there's plenty of businesses out there that, you know, maintain gardens quite beautifully, but, but they wanted to be able to kind of hang out with them and, and help. And uh, I asked around uh, a few companies and, and most of them were like, oh no, like, we can't deal with that. And, and I thought, oh, that's interesting that, you know, because they, they actually, some of them had even tried it and they, you know, they found it slowed them down too much or, you know, it became too much of a social thing and not a work thing that they weren't prepared to deal with. And mm -hmm. I just, I, I thought it was an interesting sort of, I still think it's interesting now. I can understand why some, I mean, I kind of want that too. I, I'd love to have, uh, even, well, even when the cleaners come in my house. I find that as it's like I have this shared energy with them. They're bustling around, and suddenly I find myself like cleaning things that are <laughs> sort of beyond their list. And uh, I just, you know, I want to work. I want to work alongside somebody, and it's nice, you know. So. Well, there are these people who are becoming garden coaches. I imagine you've seen that. I have. Yeah, maybe that's what that is. is uh... I think that's what that is, and I think that's what Pith and Vigor is. It's a kind of, uh, I, I hate to say over the the garden fence kind of thing. I, that Maybe that is what it is. It's, it isn't that it's just conversational, but the first issue at least, it was telling me things I wanted to know and I wanted to hear, and I didn't feel like it was the inside dope. I felt like, uh, oh, yeah, you're, 
you're on the same page as they say. Right. And I, I, I want to thank you also. We're just about out of time and you know what that's like. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I've been speaking with Rochelle Grayer and we're going to have <clears throat> links on the Ken Drew's Real Dirt website uh, to the newspaper and to some of the other things that Rochelle is working on. And uh, wow, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. The time just flew by. And I can't wait for the next issue, which will be any day, and then the next one after that, and then the next one after that, and the next one after that, and, <laughs> and then there'll be a, a regional one. And anyway, congratulations. Yes. It's terrific. Thank you. If you're not already on the Ken Drew's Real Dirt website, go there and find links to learn more about Rochelle and the new newspaper, Pith and Vigor, as well as Rochelle's other publications. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt and that you will join me again next week or check out some of the archived interviews that go back for years. That's KenDrewsRealDirt.com. And if you have suggestions or questions, please do comment on the comment space on the website. And uh, if you have a, someone you think you'd like to hear interviewed or if you'd like to be interviewed, let me know. We're here every week on Ken Drew's Real Dirt. And again, thank you for joining me and joining my guests right here on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, Gardening 2.0.